Saturday afternoon, a beauty out there too. And 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. And uh, we're back, Dr. Payne Show. Dr. Lou is here to answer all your questions and calls about, uh, well, pain, anything that discomforts you, anything. problems, physical maladies, all Health, that stuff. Healthcare, anything. Healthcare, bring anything. it on, man. For sure. We're ready for the next hour. Uh, a week that was, some uh, some stuff you've been working on. What do you got for me? Some stuff. I actually have a, an interesting case, and I, and I and after I'm done talking about it, <laughs> I, I think I'd like to actually do research on it because okay. it's funny how often it happens. I had a patient that came in, um, and she was speaking to me about that she's had... Um, like a, a back-to-stomach referral type of pain that's been going on uh, for three years on the right side, has been checked out, everything you can imagine, different scopes, MRIs, CT scans, mm-hmm. blood work, et cetera, et cetera, nothing's wrong. And she's just trying to figure out what's wrong, what causes this. As we got talking, and, and she actually offered up the information much earlier than, than usually when I have to inquire about these things, right. but she mentioned to me that her... Uh, brother around the time that this pain started had been diagnosed with stomach cancer and another brother also had had a heart attack and passed away so there was a lot of stress going on and it's incredible how many people and again I don't have the actual stats and research to support this but from a purely clinical perspective it's incredible how many people I've met that have a similar type of scenario where they have some type of a pain syndrome whether it's new headaches or that type of stomach pain or whatever. And usually it's related to more vital organs. So when you're dealing like, you know, the chest, the stomach, the brain, and the correlation that it has with uh, those people's loved ones being sick. So now I'm not saying that every single person that has a loved one that was diagnosed with something serious or whatever is going to Sympathy have, pains. Yeah, it's not. But it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot that I guess from for whatever reason, and it, it, to me it highlighted very much the psychosomatic perspective of pain, how much your mind has an influence over your pain. And it would make perfect sense, you know, and, and, and I constantly find that, that people who had a, a sibling or a loved one that got diagnosed with some type of GI cancer, then they start developing GI symptoms. Or if this person had uh, a brain tumor, they start developing headaches. And right. again, I'm not saying that this is one for one, that every single person that I yep. see that has headaches has someone, but it it is a common feature that I saw. And as I was seeing this patient this week, I was speaking to her about this and she, she totally understood what I was saying. And she actually was kind of on board with it, which was nice to have. I, I've, as I've been talking about the psychosomatic component of pain on the show, a lot of the people that have been coming to see me are people who listen to me quite often and, and they understand this. So it's, it's actually helped overcome that battle because I've told you before, a lot of the times when you're having this discussion with people, they just simply say, so what are you saying? I, I'm, I'm crazy or whatever. And they're not understanding that what I'm just trying to say is that your mind is that powerful and it controls everything. And therefore your interpretation of everything is done by your mind and your experience is created by your mind. And so that type of, um, I guess that sympathetic, what you've just termed it type of pain, um, you know, for whatever reason, the anxiety about it, the worrying that, hey, this person's related to me, could this also be happening right. to me, helps to create this issue. And again, and we've talked about that, the longer you experience something, it becomes chronic. And chronic just means that there becomes a neuropathic pain, that that there's nerve um, firing that happens that creates a network that now you are creating that neural pathway for that pain. Right? Yeah, like riding yeah. a bike or any motor skill that we learn over our life. We don't really have to think about it very much. And so that's a very, very interesting thing that I wanted to bring up. And, and I figured I'd talk about it on the air because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that at the end of the day, people just want to understand why are they feeling this way. And it's not like this lady knew that this was the reason, right? right. But helping people to understand this may help them to overcome it because they can say, okay, well, 
And again, that doesn't mean that if you have a loved one that was diagnosed with, you know, a GI type of cancer, and then today you're, you start developing stomach pain that you should just simply say, oh, that's just sympathetic pain. No, but if everything else gets ruled out, and, and then we start to consider the psychosomatic component of that pain. Now, this lady had done all the right things where she had been checked up uh, by different specialists, her family doctor, and the whole gambit of tests that would be necessary to rule out the most serious things in that side. area were done. And that was good. That's why it was much easier to come to that type of a conclusion. Because obviously, if she had come into my office and had nothing done, I wouldn't just simply say, oh, you know, it's related to it's in your head, it's in your head or, yeah. or it's related to your psychosomatic experience. No, you still have to make sure that there's nothing else there. Uh, but it, it's so it really highlighted. I see and again, uh, one day maybe I'll do the research on it, but the amount of people that I actually see that that experience this, that have nothing seriously wrong, but have some type of pain, and it related to some type of stressor in their life, specifically the diagnosis of of a loved one with something serious, it, it's it's actually more common than I think most people, um, you know, realize. And if there's anybody listening that has that type of story, you know, we'd love to hear about it. Because again, I think in understanding, I think the biggest thing is if you understand, and I've talked about this a lot, this is why I spend so much time in my uh, assessments with patients speaking to them, that the understanding helps you to get better. Because once you understand, there's now a way for you to do the right things. And it's that lack of understanding that uh, I find is often the biggest hindrance towards people getting so better. So she would probably now be a candidate for some sort of CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, right? I exactly. And she even, and you know, every time I ask about pain and I start to think, okay, this maybe could be psychosomatic or mm -hmm. there's a contribution, I'll ask questions like, you know, if you're at a birthday party or a wedding, something that's really happy, how are your pain levels? And these people will say, oh, I, I have no pain. At a minimum. If I, I don't even know it's there. And, and it, it just highlights the importance of your experience. But then when you say to them, okay, well, what about if you're alone um, and you're a little bit depressed about something in life, what are your pain levels like? Oh, they're through the roof. They're horrible. Right. And it starts to highlight how, and, and I think most people can relate to that, that if you have something going on and for whatever reason, you're depressed about something else or something else is going wrong in your life, that pain seems to be amplified versus when you're distracted in happy moments, you almost forget. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's a very important thing for people to realize that how much the um, their psychology affects their experience of pain. Info at paincarecanada.com through an email and call us here today till 1 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and simply Dr. Lou on social. Lots more coming up here. Dr. Pain Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 1213, open lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We had a ton of phone calls last week. I can't remember, the, was it headaches that we were big on last week? Someone, it was just a, a, the floodgates uh, open. We started talking, what was it last week that we... Uh, knee issues. It was it knee issues? Yeah, it was, was knee issues, crazy. and then everybody uh, started calling in. And then also my personal experience with, like, we were talking about the numbness Your and neck. tingling stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, any any health issues that anybody's listening out there right now, you want to ask questions, get pointed in the right direction, just want some advice, mm -hmm. give us a call. We're happy to, uh, to answer whatever. Um, another thing that I wanted to highlight from a clinical uh, case perspective is I'll often have a lot of people um, that come see me and they'll bring either, like, a newspaper ad or something that they saw about, and I don't want to specifically name any specific modality, sure. uh, but there's a couple things out there where it's like these clinics that are dedicated to just one specific intervention. And, you know, there's a big price tag associated with the therapy over a long period of time. And in doing so, they guarantee you're going to get better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I, I've, I really, really caution people to think about this before they go that far into these, into these types of ventures, because oftentimes these machines or whatever the modality is, is very, very expensive. And someone's just trying to pay back for that machine. Right. And they're just basically saying that one thing solves every the single problem. for all. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they'll say, come in for your assessment to see if it can help. Uh, and in my experience, oftentimes they're just trying to turn whoever is a potential patient into a patient. Uh, there's big price tags associated with it. And I'm always very, has. I'm not suggesting that these things don't maybe work for people, but I would love it if there was more of a standardized way to go about this. Uh, and that's the advantage of going to clinics that have all these modalities at their disposal and that aren't really saying, you know, you need Every single person needs 60 treatments or 100 treatments, but versus, you know, when someone's seen at our rehab side of our clinics, uh, they're treated on a three treatment basis. So even if it's something that we know is going to take much longer, every three or four visits, what we're essentially doing is reassessing, is the person getting better? Are they staying the same or are they getting worse? Because that tells us how we modify, right? If they're getting worse, well, that's absolutely, we're probably on the wrong track. They're getting better. Good. We're on the right track. We continue and we do another three or four treatments, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't ask for, you know, block fees up front. And a lot of these places are asking for, you know, you have to pay for all your treatments up front. Um, and, you know, and there's little disclaimers. We can refund you, but it'll be at this amount, et cetera, et cetera. And I, it's the horror stories that I've seen come into my clinic of people that have told me about their experiences with these different types of places. And again, I'm not going to name modalities or anything. I'm not going to single anybody out. I just um, want to caution that all people should be um, knowledgeable consumers of healthcare and know what they're getting into. Uh, look at the research that's available for those things. Talk to other people. Um, and, you know, these these types of, um, you know, I don't want to call them schemes, but these types of uh, clinics that exist that are dedicated to one modality, they're often preying on the people that are uh, at wit's end, where nothing else is worth. It's desperation at this point, It's almost desperation, and these people are almost willing to try anything, and they've been told by somebody's uncle or somebody's sister, and that's always the best part, right, when it's like, you know, my sister's cousin said, um, or or whatever, (laughs) said, you know, it should really be based on um, professional opinion. The other thing that I often will see is that you get people that are, going to one practitioner over here and then another practitioner over there and someone else down there. And those people are not communicating and they're being told three or four different things from three or four different people. So they're trying to do a bit of everything and wondering why they're not getting better. The reality is you'd almost be better just focusing on one person and listening to one person's advice because you don't know that something that person A is telling you may actually contradict what person C is telling you and vice versa. And so that uh, can get in the way of recovery. So, um, and again, those are people, people that are often seeing that many different healthcare professionals in different places um, are usually at their wits end. They're just trying to get better. They now want they're to scrambling, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm not, and I'm not saying that every single person that sees multiple practitioners doesn't get better. In fact, I think the multidisciplinary approach is the best approach. That's why I've built what I've built in, in, in my clinics. Uh, but you know, sometimes I do meet people that will tell me I'm doing this because this person told me that, but I'm also doing this because I heard it over here. And it's like, no, 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 you just got to sometimes listen to one and just go for 
forward on on that perspective. And those, you know, some of those places have machines, like you said, are very expensive, and you need, you need more than one wrench in your toolbox, right? Like it just, it's kind of scary. I think so. And I, as standalone modalities, they're great modalities. They have, they do have a place where they would work for a certain type of patient, for sure. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I just, I would hope that these clinics are identifying the right people that will benefit from that modality. My concern is that I've met a lot of people that was that I've seen and been like, I'm not really sure why they thought that would help you. And they've recommended that. And so that's more of the issue. It's not, not that these modalities don't work. They do work for a specific type of diagnosis for a specific set of symptoms for a specific type of patient. It's just how good of a job is being done uh, to isolate that. And again, that doesn't mean that, you know, there's other companies that focus on this stuff that may only be a one modality uh, clinic intervention, and they might actually be doing it right. I'm not generalizing to every single right. place. I'm just asking that if you're listening and you're potentially thinking of these places, just do your homework. Be, be an informed consumer. Before you're uh, out a boatload of cash. Exactly. Just be right. an informed consumer. Just do the right things. Do, do your due diligence as as a as a consumer of of whatever you're about to purchase and make sure that this is something and and you know usually people will say it's funny because you you wouldn't expect people aren't doctors not everybody's a doctor so they're it's not really their job to know but you can often get a gut instinct when you think someone is being just salesy about something mm-hmm. versus if someone has your best interest at heart and sometimes listening to that gut instinct is very very important because I've met people that have said like you know I I knew that it was a scam from the beginning but I did it because I needed to do something it's like if you already had that feeling you should yeah. should probably get out or or go talk to somebody first or bring your concerns up to the the management of that facility and, and see what they can do about it. Wide open lines. You have an opinion, have problems, physical pain, bring it on. We'd like to hear about it. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show, talk radio, AM 640. 1223, Dr. Payne Show, yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Colleen, good afternoon. Hey, Colleen. Hey, how are you? Good, thank you. Go ahead. Um, I just wondered if you had any experience with Okay. So what is the reason for the peripheral neuropathy? Because a peripheral neuropathy just basically the word means that peripheral means in the extremities and neuropathy means that there's a problem with the nerves. So it could be related. People with diabetes can get peripheral neuropathies because the sugar becomes corrosive to the nerve. Or it could be due to, uh, you know, something more like a neurodegenerative issue like MS, ALS, things like that. So have you been told what the reason for the neuropathy is? Okay. But I had the neuropathy four years prior. So when they were testing, of course, they were testing me for MS and ALS and all that. Yep. And um, it turned out that they figured it was genetic, um, idiopathic neuropathy. Okay. Because they could not determine where I was getting it from. Okay. And I just wonder if you had any experience with it or if there's anything, any type of relief. Of course, I'm on chronic pain medication. Mm-hmm. Um, which I prefer not to be, but I wondered if you had any tips or suggestions on anything I can do to to um, 
help with the pain. Yeah, uh, so again, I mean from a very specific standpoint like that, what could help you specifically with your pain, I would have to do an assessment to be uh, certain of what we're dealing with here from a generalized standpoint. Again, it really comes down to what is the cause of the neuropathy. I understand what you're saying that you were diagnosed with diabetes um, four years or, or, or sometime after uh, actually starting to experience those things. There's more things in between just diabetes and neurodegenerative that can cause neuropathies. It could also just be due to tension in different muscles uh, that are creating that neuropathy. It could be due to poor posture in the spine that's putting pressure on the spinal cord somewhere creating those things. So I would really have to assess you from a physical exam perspective, go over everything to really understand the case overall and determine what could be your cause. Oftentimes when things are uh, termed idiopathic, uh, they've ruled out the most serious things. So like the things you said, like, is it neurodegenerative or is it diabetes? And, you know, they're not very good at assessing, could it just be something muscular? Could it be stress-related, et cetera, et cetera? So uh, they're just basically telling you, well, we know you have a peripheral neuropathy. We're just not really sure what its etiology uh, is, and that meaning where it's originating from. So, um, yeah, if, for- I have my, my diabetes is controlled now, so it's not... It's not sugar, like, pretty much ruled out what it could be, but it, it's getting worse, and mm-hmm. uh, I was diagnosed by um, quite a well-known uh, uh, neurologist in Toronto General, Okay. and uh, basically they sent me away, and they said, well, the first thing you're going to need is a, a shrink, and I said, why, why is that? And they said, because, you know, 95% of people can't deal with the chronic pain, so you're going to need to be able to talk to somebody about it. But there's nothing we can do, and you know it's you, you can't reverse the nerve damage. You've got it. It's you've got it for life. You're either going to be able to control it, or it's going to progressively get worse. Right. Yeah. So, but again, the it, it does depend, right? So, if a neurologist, a neurologist is telling you that they've basically ruled out neurological involvement. Uh, that doesn't mean that there can't be a muscular component to it. They are usually right about the fact that, you know, once nerve damage goes on for quite a long time, it is much more difficult to, to reverse nerve damage because nerve tissue doesn't heal very well. Um, yeah. And, you know, the psychological intervention on dealing with chronic pain is very, very important. Um, yeah. And so if you've been told that, that, there's a reason. They're not just telling you that because... You know, you know. I, I'm sure they didn't see, say see a shrink, but they probably, you know, in a much more respectful manner, said, uh, understand that there's a psychological component, and talking to somebody about this stuff plays a role. And 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 you coming to that understanding is also very important because that does help. Because as your uh, psychology is is activated and at a higher level for whatever reason, stress, thinking about it, it is going to make your experience worse than if you're able to control those things. So that's also uh, an important point, which could be part of the therapy, right? A lot of the times when I see people, uh, my recommendation is, yeah, you need psychological intervention on this because from a a physical perspective, you've exhausted all the potential options and the only thing left to deal with is the psychological or or maybe we got to put both things together, physical and psychological but when it comes to chronic issues, you cannot discount how important the psychological therapy and interventions are to get are to uh, getting better and, and being able to deal with what you have, for sure. Becoming a topic of the morning, or the afternoon anyway, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. We'll take a uh, short break, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. You have questions, concerns, health, pain, otherwise bring them on. Dr. Lou here till 1 o'clock, one 855 
Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U is the number to uh, get that assessment happening. Check it out. 1229, more of the show coming up. Talk Radio, AM 640. 1231, Dr. Payne Show, right till 1 o'clock. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Boreal, hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Great. What's uh, what's your concern? Yes, I was just driving, um, you know, and, and I I was listening to your, your conversation. I just got, I didn't get a full story, but based on what I heard, um, you're saying that, that you can heal yourself by, you know, different different um, ways. So I, I was telling the, um, the doctor just now that I had an accident in 2014, and I was very depressed. You know, I was in a very stressful mood, but um, they, they they put me on so much medication, but I realized it wasn't it wasn't doing anything for me. It was getting me worse. So I decided to get off the medication and do meditation and um, and uh, exercise and and just because I work with kids and they were asking me, you know, why are you depressed and you want to work with kids? But when I work with the kids, um, it's a whole different story because, you know, my my mind is working. The, the kids are have I have something to say to the kids all the time. They're they're we're interacting all the time. Yeah. Yep. So then I am not worrying about the stress or the pain. That's right. So, it's deflection, right? Yeah. So what what happened? What I get from that is that when I am home by myself, I sit down and I, the, the the accident, the stress, everything comes down on me. But mm-hmm. By um, by working with a kid or by interacting with people, going out, dancing, sharing my, my story, you know, and I I hear myself. So yep. I'm completely off about the medication, right? They they also said um that um I, I had high blood pressure and they gave me so many different tablets, right? And I decided I'm not gonna go that way either. And I meditate, I change my diet, I. And that's and that's what I did. I yeah. also had a friend with um he had high di- um I mean diabetes. And then when I met him he was like fully blown everything. And now the guy is down to one tablet. He he changes diet also. Mm-hmm. He was such a big guy. Now if you look at him, everybody's saying, Oh my god, you know, what do you do? And all he's saying, exercise, meditate, you know, think yeah. so you the the points you're highlighting are are extremely important and they just showcase how important there are some people out you know some people out there can become cured with the, just medication and other people out there do exactly as this caller has done and and they're able to cure themselves with their their mind and you know there's probably a healthy in between of everything where a little bit of everything helps but i've often said that there's really no such thing as cures out there the closest thing is your mental disposition management yeah and so this is this is the the closest that i think you can get to a cure and if you really want to get better especially again because oftentimes chronic pain has an absence of a true physical problem it's just a learned behavior at that point and if you can deal with it in in such a way that this caller is done and and i'm not suggesting that everybody that does what this caller does is going to be cured but they're definitely going to help manage that pain Mm -hmm. and manage the levels of their pain in their life but you know she made a very important point where she said being around people doing things really helped her to get better it's a vicious cycle the other way with chronic pain. Often people that are chronic in chronic pain start to develop depression. And as you Shut develop in. depression, yeah. you start to close off to social interaction. You start to stay home a lot. And all you're doing is just amplifying everything that's wrong um, and, and making it louder for your mind. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Barry, hello there. 
How you doing this afternoon? Good, Barry. What's going on with you, pal? You had a, qu- a girl on there a couple of minutes ago uh, talking about neuropathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I have it. Okay. Uh, bottom of my feet. Yep. Uh, two fingers on my right hand, and now on my left arm. Okay. Just in the forearm area. Okay. Um, a question for Dr. Lou. Um, my, sis- my sister told me this. Would heavy drinking be a result? Potentially, yep. It can be? Yep, can be. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Yeah, right. people that are um, like any alcoholic dispositions for sure can, can create neuropathies. Um, but again, saying neuropathy uh, is, is kind of like, it's just this, it's more of a sign than anything. So it's kind of like saying fever, right? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's a matter of determining, okay, well, what's causing that? Well, I don't, uh, I don't have diabetes. I've been tested for that. Right. I had an MRI, mm-hmm. and that's where they found, um, I guess, spots on the bottom of the brain. Okay. Uh, would that indicate a cause for neuropathy? Potentially. I'm not really sure what you mean by spots. I'd have to they, kind of see. They said there were little white spots on the bottom of my brain, the back and bottom of my brain. Hmm. Okay. And I did have an alcohol problem. Okay. Um, still have it to some degree. But I've just noticed the neuropathy seems to be progressing. Yeah, so maybe there's something going on. Again, I, th- I think this type of case, I, I would have to review more in depth to, to comment appropriately on it. Gotcha. But yeah, for sure, there could be a, a combination of things going on here that's uh, creating the signs and symptoms uh, is, that you're experiencing. Is there anything you know that I could do to heal, heal a brain? Well, the first thing I think that you need to do is figure out what exactly is causing the neuropathy. And, and I'd have to really look at the MRI and understand what those white spots are on the brain. I, I have an idea of likely what you mean, but again, I don't want to make assumptions. Are there ways to heal the brain? Again, neurological tissue is, is the hardest type of tissue to actually change because um, it just doesn't heal very well. That's the reason why people, you know, that have strokes or things like that, it, you, you have a certain window of time to try to heal the neurological tissue. It's the reason why people that have severed spinal cords usually never end up regaining their function uh, be, just because neurological tissue doesn't heal very well. So, um, but it's also a question of, are those white spots relevant, right? Like, and, and that's what I mean. It would be a matter of trying to figure out you know, what they are exactly, where, what area of the brain, and are they contributing to uh, things going on in your body? Mm-hmm. But definitely, if there's other underlying issues, um, like I, you're kind of alluding to the alcohol issue, that's probably something that's very important to get under control because that could be creating a lot of the things that, a lot of the problems that you're having. So, um, and you know, that becomes, that's an example of a behavioral type right. of approach, yep. right? Where you have to deal with those types of things. Um, in, in a certain way. And again, these are things people discount that um, things like being an alcoholic, they just think it's it's the way someone is. No, it's it's also a disease. It's no different than having yeah. diabetes and, and these mental health issues need to be dealt with the exact same way, with the exact same amount of uh, caring that the other physical things are dealt with because there is still a stigma around the mental health stuff and you know and and people will look at things like that and say oh but you're doing it yourself it's not that simple 
It's not that simple to say that someone's doing that stuff to themselves. There's an underlying behavioral issue, an underlying behavioral problem that needs to be dealt with professionally. Um, and in doing so, that can help people to get better. Definitely a multi-pronged approach in, the, in that regard, especially, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of stuff going on, and, and it needs to be figured out the right way, for sure. Barry, I'll give you this number since uh, you sounded curious. Anyway, one eight five 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 doctor Lou drlu one eight five five. Five five. Doctor Lou is the number to call. Info at paincarecanada.com. You want to drop Luigi an email? That'd be uh, be excellent. Doctor Lou, more of the show coming up. Doctor Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM six forty. It is twelve forty one. Doctor Payne Show. You still got about twenty minutes to call in and voice your concerns. Maladies four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Maladies. You like that? That's my uh, <laughs> that's my ten dollar word for today, son. Let's talk about diabetes. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, diabetes just simply means high blood sugar mm-hmm. is, is really what it means. Your sugar in the blood, you know, we have different ways of storing sugar in the form of glycogen and muscles and in the liver. Um, and sometimes for whatever reason. Now, there's different types of diabetes, right? There's sometimes where you just don't produce insulin. The more common type, which is type 2, um, which is kind of the, the more acquired type of a diabetes okay. over lifestyle issues is just simply when... Um, uh, you still have insulin, and insulin helps those areas of the body to take up uh, the sugar and and eliminate the sugar from from the bloodstream, uh, where those receptors just aren't working as well because they've been overstimulated. And we won't get into the pathophysiology of it, but essentially what people need to understand is that sugar um, in the blood is corrosive, and that's why it leads mm-hmm. to all the problems that it does, where it leads to plaquing, because as that corrosion happens, uh, coagulation happens and things, you start to build up clots, um, and then the other things, and those clotting happen, and there's a lot of things, the, the eye issues that can happen with diabetes, the neuropathies, because again, it becomes corrosive to the nerves as well. Mm-hmm. And from a pain perspective, that's often the first component, right, is... is um, is that people start to experience these neuropathies due to the high blood sugar. And it, and again, this is the example of, for someone to just say, okay, I have a neuropathy, you need to figure out what it is. Because if your neuropathy is due to high blood sugar, well, then getting your blood sugar in check is going to be the important component, sure. right? And so they may give you different classes of medication to make the receptors more sensitive. Some people get to the point where their insulin is just not working, so they actually have to have insulin injections. Uh, also, lifestyle changes are very, very important where you start to limit the amount of sugar that you're taking in um, and also start to have complex meals so that you delay gastric emptying of sugar into the bloodstream. So it's a very, very, um, I, 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 I can't simplify it in just, you know, a few yeah. a few sentences. It's, it's, a, it's a very big uh, undertaking that needs to be done with someone with diabetes, but it is a lifestyle type of, the, the type two is a, a is what I mean, is very much acquired through lifestyle. And so, and it can also be treated in that manner. So getting uh, healthy, exercising, uh, eating the right things all become very, very important. And, uh, and oftentimes people just aren't doing those, those right things and they're measuring their blood sugar and their blood sugar, you know, they'll say, oh, it's, it's pretty good, but it's still high. Right. And it's like, well, you need to get it in the low healthy range because again, it becomes corrosive. It being corrosive creates a lot of other problems. And that's why there's the increased risk of stroke, heart attack, all different types of mm-hmm. heart disease uh, types of things and, and the neuropathies that happen. And the neuropathies, I mean, the hands are not as dangerous for this, but in the feet, absolutely, because you start to lose sensation. Uh, you can bang yourself and not notice it, get an infection, not notice it, Sepsis develop gangrene, and, all kinds of things, gangrene. and things like that. And, and it's not uncommon to hear of diabetic patients that yep. have had to end up losing 
a limb. Um, and so again, it's, it's because you've lost that sensation that's due to the peripheral neuropathy. And, uh, when that happens, you, you, you're screwed, right? So you have to, you have to have to be able to control that. You also, there's other things you can do. Make sure you're checking, you know, if you know you have a neuropathy, make sure that you're actively looking at your legs a lot or having someone else look at them for any types of sores that are developing uh, to prevent injury, et cetera, et cetera. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell to call in. Steve, good afternoon. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Well, what's going on with you? Um, the problem is, is that I fell off the ladder and uh, I broke several bones. Uh, I hit a patio stone. And um, I had a pain clinic doctor and that uh, he was um, uh, lost his license. Okay. And I was sent back to a family doctor, and he closed his practice, and I didn't get any notice. So now I'm having problems trying to find a, a, a doctor to deal with my pain medication. And with the new laws, uh, nobody wants to take on anybody with pain medication. Okay. So I'm wondering, what do we do about this? Well, I mean, I guess the, the best option at that point is, is if you call contact the College of Physicians and Surgeons, um, and see if they can help you find someone like the colleges exist to protect the public from the profession. Uh, so in your scenario or to assist the public with the profession. So, you know, people that are looking for new family doctors or new clinics to deal with, um, you know, where they can get their prescriptions refilled, that that would be the best approach you are. I see your dilemma here because at this point with all, I'm assuming you're on some type of an opiate medication? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so with all the things going on around uh, with opiates and it becoming much more difficult to get it, a lot of doctors want to stay away from it, especially because when they don't know patients. And Steve, I'm not saying this is you, but you know, yeah. for a doctor, they may think, well, I don't know if this person because I don't know the history here. I don't know if this person needs opiates or they're just simply addicted. And so they don't have the time. They may have a busy practice and they feel like, okay, that's uh, not for me to deal with or I don't need to take that on. And so, yeah, yeah you're definitely in a, in a tough place for sure with what's yeah. happening here. Uh, but I would say the best thing is if you contact, again, the College of Physicians and Surgeons and speak to somebody there, outline your issue, they may be able to help you uh, in terms of finding... Uh, someone new to help you with those pain medications. The reality is even if you do find clinics, uh, because of what's happening, it's becoming harder and harder for even people that have the same doctors to get the opiate-based medications that they likely need. So, you know, maybe the other option is looking for alternatives to that type uh, of approach. And, you know, again, understanding that I, I, opiates, I, I do believe, have their place in pain management. I don't believe it's the fault of the public. I believe it's actually the fault of the overprescription of them that has created the problem. And that's not the fault of, of the public. They're just simply following the advice uh, of, yeah, well, of the professionals. The, doctor, the doctors give you something. And yeah, and you, you take it. For 20 years, and then all of a sudden... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. I, and, and again, and I think... You know, I think they're from a, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but there's probably a better way that they could be doing this because, um, you know, maybe preventing new people from getting addicted to opiates should have been more um, the goal versus uh, punishing people like Steve here that were on it and saying, well, now you yeah. can't have it. Get ahead anymore. of the curve. Yeah, exactly. You got to kind yeah. of do something where you're maybe you identify a problem. So you stop, you know, people from getting addicted to it by by limiting how much 
new prescriptions of opiates mm-hmm. you're giving out. Uh, but f- in terms of refills, it, it, Steve's situation is one that a lot of people, I think, are experiencing. It is somewhat unfair that... You know, these people, people that have there. been using this one thing that helps to manage their pain, they've they've become, a, whether your choice or not, Steve, you've become addicted to it just by the Definitely. very nature that you have to take it. Uh, and, and that may not have necessarily been your choice. But again, like you said, you were prescribed it. So you just basically followed uh, the orders of a physician. And, and now they're being told, well, no, you can't have it anymore. And it's like, okay, well, then what do you do to replace that? Because right. now you, not only are you dealing with chronic pain, now you're dealing with withdrawal. And, you know, so so goes uh, the battle and things get worse and worse. So, yes, yeah, Steve, I would say you're, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk off air, we, you can give me a call. Uh, I can try helping you out uh, in other ways. Uh, but otherwise, um, calling the college is probably your best bet. Steve, that number, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. And you still have time to call in until 1 o'clock this afternoon to uh, talk to Dr. Lou on the air in the Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Short break, right back after this. 12.52, your phone calls. you got a minute or two to uh, squeak them all. you got several minutes, so get them in if you want to. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Yeah, times have changed. It used to be a time where you got a prescription. You just, Don't question my yeah. authority. You'll feel better. Take yeah, it. Yeah, and, and again, I think it's, it's due to uh, people becoming more informed we've also are now seeing the the side effects of a lot of the things overall medicine is relatively new when you consider right like only a few hundred years old and and especially in the last little bit it's over prescription we're starting to understand a little bit more um what could potentially go wrong with it and so now you know even doctors are being much better in terms of telling people what the potential risks versus benefits are a lot of the colleges whether it's the college of physicians and surgeons the college of chiropractors physiotherapists consent is a very important thing and going over risks and benefits of interventions has been very much highlighted with all of that so people are becoming more informed on what the potential risks versus benefits of the intervention that they're being suggested to do. Um, and, and I think that's very important. And as that happens, but again, I think that's great that we're moving that way. But in, you know, like in Steve's case, what we've done is people that have been addicted to something, we're just eliminating it from yeah. them. And, you know, what kind of problem does that potentially create? And, and so that's, you know, and I guess nothing is ever going to make, you know, you can never find a political solution that makes 100% yep. sense and makes 100% of people um, happy. Uh, but you know there there could be ways to to solve some of the issues, and hopefully uh, they're realizing what those issues are, and you know they they start to to do things to um, tackle that. Hey, Doreen, uh, good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. What's your concern? My concern is I have neuropathy. I've had chemotherapy, mm-hmm. and as a result, I got neuropathy in my hands and in my feet. Right. And I wondered if there's anything I could be doing for it. So that's a little more difficult than, you know, and again, that's, this helps identify what's the reason for the neuropathy. And obviously the the chemotherapy is is quite aggressive. It has to be because it's essentially trying to kill everything, including the cancer. And, and unfortunately, sometimes it, it ends up affecting uh, the nerve tissue and, it's very difficult that, you know, I, I, I don't want to lie to you and say that there's any great solution out there for what will help with your neuropathy. Uh, a couple calls back, we had somebody say that they were told due to the neuropathy that the neurologist basically said, you got to get psychological intervention to help um, cope with it and understand it. I think in a case like yours, Doreen, um, and again, 
I, I, I would have to speak to you more personally to be sure. But in these types of cases, when it comes to chemo um, and the and the consequences of it, I think a lot of it does come down to how do you learn to cope with what's going on and maybe some behavioral type of therapies, uh, right. whether psychological intervention or different uh, cognitive behavior approaches. It could be very, very important and could help you a lot in terms of understanding what's going on and learning how to, uh, you know, at the at the very least, control somewhat of your pain from a psychological perspective uh, is going to be probably your best bet in all honesty. Well, it's not really pain. It's pain. The, the neuropathy, yes, life. right. Yeah, yeah. And my balance is poor because of that. Yeah, for sure. How old are you, Doreen? 80. 80, yeah. So... I mean, that's compounded too. Obviously, if you were younger, then prognosis gets better. So as you start looking at all these things, um, it, it becomes more and more difficult. It's very hard for me. Again, it's probably better if we have a discussion off air and and we uh, and I divulge a little bit more information and maybe there's something there. But as a general kind of, I guess, good right. clinical guess right now, I would say the biggest help would come from the psychological type of intervention just to be able to deal with whatever you're experiencing versus trying to actually get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Doreen? Anyway, I have to learn to live with it. That's what you're saying, are you? Yeah, but and it's not just learn to live with it, but learn how you can do different things to minimize its importance, et cetera. So it's not as simple as just say just saying live with it. But yeah, essentially, in a, in a nutshell, that is something that becomes very, very important. But more than just living and accepting it is is coping with it. And those are two different things. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. thank you very much. No problem. Thank you, Doreen. That number again, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, one eight five 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 doctor Lou or info at paincarecanada.com. It's kind of been a theme this hour, right, is the, uh, the psychological. It's a, it's a theme for my day-to-day practice because of chronic pain, right? And, and again, this is why I always highlight, you, especially from, okay, that, that type of Doreen situation is obviously different, right? Yeah. But a lot of people sustain these chronic little injuries that they just let go over and over and over again. And they don't do anything about it. And then one day it's a massive problem and they're and they're kind of always surprised. It's like I always had a little bit of low back pain and it would sometimes aggravate like a few times a year. But now it's just to the point where it's unbearable. I can't live with it. It's like, yeah, your body over the last few years has been telling you to do something about it. So you don't have to let it get to that point. And the reality is, is that if you have an injury that keeps rearing its head and although it may seem mild to you there could come a day where enough is enough and the body fully breaks down from that and then to deal with it becomes much much harder because again in the acute phases the the psychological aspect of the pain is not as involved because you haven't learned that pain yet but definitely as things go three six months a year 20 years 20 years now you're dealing with like a big, big psychological involvement, and and that's part of the approach to uh, pain management. It has to be, and and I think that's what we have to learn is that it's not just what do you do from the physical side. It's how do you also treat it from the psychosocial. We keep seeing psychological, but we also need to include social on that, like the social interactions, good relationships. Those things help. It's not uncommon to meet people in chronic pain and they're in a bad marriage or they have a bad relationship with somebody and the, and that helps to feed the cycle. And yeah. so, and I'm not saying that everybody in chronic pain is in a bad marriage. I'm just simply saying if you have chronic pain and you have a bad marriage, guess what? Your pain's going to be probably worse. a link somewhere. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's not uncommon to see those things dealing with 
physical, social, and psychological, all three, um, and targeting it from every perspective is truly the goal of pain management, chronic pain management especially. Till next week, get on that free assessment. Again, don't forget that one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. And uh, info at paincarecanada.com through email. Till next time, the Dr. Pain Show, right here, Talk Radio, AM 640.